0: Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host Adolfo Fronda. Today on the show we have Dave Tint. Dave is a 35 year old BJJ brown belt under Chad Bingham. Dave reminds me of the people I grew up around in blue collar Sonoma County, a straight shooter, hardworking, gritty, you know, the salt of the earth type. I haven't met too many non-professional practitioners who study Jiu-Jitsu for hours a day off the mat. I think this is what makes so many of my encounters with Dave always feel like instant connection. As you will hear in the episode, Dave genuinely loves jiu-jitsu. It's one of his defining characteristics. He's a technical and dogged practitioner who has several competitions under his belt. Dave travels to several academies to train and has an impressive network of training partners and instructors he is connected with. He has competed in one of Jeff Glover's undisclosed location tournaments, getting his hand raised by Mr. Glover himself. Dave recently suffered a massive heart attack that went undetected for several hours after training one day. It's a shocking story of mistakes, bad decision making, and it's really a miracle that he's still alive, let alone training again. When I think of Dave, I think of Hunter S. Thompson, both of which lived hard, did things we wish we had the guts to do, and has a wisdom that sits right below the ostensibly rough exterior. Okay, some housekeeping notes. For the protection of everyone involved, there have been moments in the interview where some specific details have been edited out or just beeped out. We discuss graphic medical conditions, bodily functions, and there's a liberal usage of swearing. As such, this may not be the episode to listen to around the kids or for those with queasy stomachs. Just a reminder to please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. Leave us feedback and suggestions on how we can improve the show and consider becoming a patron at anchor.fm forward slash forever white belt. Like us on Facebook and TikTok at forever white belt. Check us out on Instagram at forever white belt show. Go buy your swag at teespring.com forward slash forever white belt. If you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us at North Bay Jiu Jitsu in the city of Novato. There are amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. Also, make sure to mention the podcast and get two weeks free. As Hunter S. Thompson once said, a man who procrastinates in his choosing will inevitably have his choice made for him by circumstance. And with that, I give you Dave Tint. All right, Dave, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, dude. I I really am honored. I was listening to your podcast the whole way down here in the four hours it took me to get here from 6 a.m. in the morning, so...
0: Yeah, Yeah, so everyone listening, we're in Novato, California. Dave, where'd you come from? Um, I'm staying up in a place called Forest
1: Hill, California, and I'm training at a place uh, called Precision Jiu-Jitsu out in Citrus Heights. So a lot of driving for me living out in the woods. It takes about 45 minutes uh, to get to class, to Precision. All gyms, please get showers of some type, you know, For, for us long commuters. That's like the one thing.
0: So Dave, you're a brown belt, right? I am a brown belt. Just got my brown belt. And you're a brown belt under who? Chad Bingham over at Precision Jiu-Jitsu.
1: Yeah, he actually made a point to say during the brown belt speech, uh, I'm not stepping on anybody else's toes, am I? Um, And that's uh, mainly just because I... I travel a lot. Um, I've been a lot in um, uh, ATT over in Portland and um, a couple of, like gyms, you know, own wolf Jiu Jitsu, uh, and um, uh, a lot of places in the Bay, Hawaii, just traveling everywhere, just to trying to get in as uh, much exposure as I can. I'm a big believer in it's a language and I want to go see how everybody speaks it so I don't discriminate any gym. I'm, I'm always trying to get in there.
0: What's your weight and your size so the listeners can get some context in terms of why your game is sort of the way it is? Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm a little guy, 150, 160 on a good day. And I get my guard passed a lot when I first started jujitsu, you know, so I'm definitely um, called sneaky, you know, setting up little traps. Trying to play that mental game a little bit, you know, especially with bigger guys that are like 200 pounds. If they're playing that smash wrestling pass game, um, I kind of have to really play to it and uh, let them do uh, what they're going to do because me trying to stop it's never going to happen. So I kind of try to like that whole Bruce Lee kind of like mm-hmm. being the water, just very flowy and i i've always prided myself on athleticism and being quick and being able to outlast people on cardio mm. um up until uh, late you know mm-hmm. uh, but which you know all about which i'm sure we'll get into yeah. um i haven't been able to do cardio so it's um kind of transitioning my game to another place right now
0: mm-hmm. what i noticed is you your baseball, baseball choke the way you just set up it it's super, super sneaky, sneaky. It's, it's a beautiful
1: thing. thing thank you man yeah that baseball or the suicide choke is so sneaky and a lot of people hate on it a lot of people fall in love with it mm-hmm. you know um for me Jitsu is all about like hey do you tap or do you not tap and so i don't i don't really try to be too opinionated about it but The way it works for me is it works best against wrestlers, it works best against people who love that pressure passing, um, and particularly the knee cut pass, you know. Mm -hmm. As soon as that knee cut, a lot of people like going to people's left sides, as soon as that knee hits the right side uh, uh, or hits onto the mat, I'm popping the person's collar and just letting them fall right Mm -hmm. into that trap and it, it's such a timing thing and you know?
0: you're doing it from your bottom of side control typically
1: yeah so if, if you want to kind of get a visual yeah i'm i'm uh i like doing it from side control although uh you can do it for a lot of places you know i uh, mm-hmm. the last competition i was at i actually got rolled through like the, one of the first times ever like this charles gracie guy just like Really, just like ran through me. So that guy runs through me, and then I'm I'm like, dude, like I, I need to like I didn't get my shit together, and I'm playing with his another tough purple belt, and um, you know my, my hip bump sweep's not working, nothing's really working, and the trifon looks at me and he's like, Plan B, <laughs> Plan B, yeah, and I'm like, okay, suicide choke, and like, and the guy was in the uh, because I know it it works so well with people especially don't know me i it's almost like a like it's too easy yeah and in that that instance i was um in full guard and like the guy was just like so ready to pass my guard and that's what the suicide is so nice for is you're letting the person pass your guard so that um, circumstance I was in full guard I uh, got my right hand into his left collar if I'm mm-hmm. facing him and uh, I basically just open up my guard and let him go right into the knee cut as he goes into the knee cut I'm uh, solidifying that grip on his left side and then my left hand comes up and finishes the baseball bat you know and yeah. at that point what I'm also learning is um, it, it's a lot like um, the Homer Simpson if you ever see him go like do 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 you know mm-hmm. just like A lot of people know who's listening to this podcast. It's all in the hips, you know? And if you can, like, swivel those hips, like, back and forth and get your hips in the right position, the suicide choke, what we're talking about, comes on so quick. And I think why I like it so much, and I'm like known for it, traveling around different gyms, yeah. is I put people to sleep with it. Yeah. And I think that comes with the stubbornness of passing. You get these wrestlers who have ingrained in them like pass, 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 yeah, smash, forward, smash, forward. smash. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they do pass and they think they're in an the advantageous position, I'm like, that's exactly where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. And then before they know it, they, this choke's coming, and they don't. The defense is actually very simple. You know, but a lot of people just get caught off guard with it and they panic. They th- they think they're in a dominant position, which they're not. And then they go to sleep before they can tap. I sold my company uh, January 2020. And um, with the intention, like I'm 30, was it 34 at the time? Mm-hmm. I probably have like maybe five more years of like hard like solid competition and traveling around and wars and stuff and i'm like let's do it you know i was like i got some i got money saved up but i'm like why not life is life is short i'm not going to get an opportunity to go this hard later in life Hmm. so i sold everything i scared the shit out of my my family and uh you know it could come from high standard um kind of family everybody's uh got houses and families and kids and stuff and i sold the business I created from scratch to go pursue like wrestling with people. And uh, I actually remember um, when I did do that, my mom was pretty concerned. And um, I told her that, uh, you know, when I slap hands with somebody in the gym, I can learn more about them in five minutes and show them more about who I am and my character and who I am as a human being and a person. Uh, I don't give up. I push through uh, adversity. I'm polite. I'm respectful. My hygiene is good. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much you can communicate within five minutes of the world that I could never do at a rotary club or a, a socialite event mm-hmm. or some uh, entrepreneur type event, you know, where you're getting around and, and just socializing, boozing, and talking to people. And I've, I've never found something so powerful in this mm-hmm. world, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm addicted to it, man. I'm just so addicted. Yeah. What
0: was it? like for you day one then did you get the bug immediately or, or
1: oh day one jiu-jitsu yeah, what was that like? so day one jujitsu was uh for me uh Let's ho- talk about hoist- the first
0: month or something
1: yeah. oh I, I know day one day one was hoist gracie chemo fight you know um and my mm-hmm. friend just showed me on a tape when i was like 20 years old and it was like uh chemo 270 whatever the fuck he was like walking on on a crucifix with jesus tattooed against yeah hoist gracie 160 pounds yeah And I watched him tap this dude out. My buddy was like, who do you think is going to win? I'm like, dude, obviously the big ass dude. I didn't know anything about his fighting, you know? And I saw him tap him out. And I think like a lot of people, weird is like, especially little people are like, I need to know how to do that. Like, what the fuck? And he brought me into this place called Third Street Boxing over in um, Hunter's Point in In San San Francisco. Francisco, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hole in the wall. I don't even know if it's still there. Sal. When I was 20, it was like 15 years ago. And I just like beat me up i gave up on it uh i was really into uh pickup basketball actually and always been an athlete and um i went to usf as an undergrad um around then in my early 20s a little later i was working before i got into college and when i was playing pickup basketball this uh half gracie blue belt was playing in our game and he started a gym called a uh, hybrid over in san francisco um is uh, half gracie lineage and he told me he was like hey man you're, you're an athlete maybe you wanna and maybe we want to try jujitsu i was like yeah i've done a couple classes i think i should get in and i went in there man and i remember like i'm never gonna be able to get a blue belt like i was like i'll never be able to tap this guy i'm like this is like wizardry you know and i had like so much immense respect for it i was like what the fuck is this guy doing and like i felt it was even different because like the first time at third street i was just kind of getting beat up And uh, I just fell in love with it, you know? And um, actually that's where I met Sean Roberts. Um, I know know he's been on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Like one of the coolest dudes in the world. Just like true inspiration for me in my early years uh, he gave me my first stripe on my white belt wow and you know for me i've always been a morning uh jujitsu guy because i'm really busy you know if i wasn't in college uh, after college i was starting and running my business and i'm always up early 4 a.m um and i like those early morning classes and i would uh wake up on geary and second geary in the city and skate uphill up to Golden Gate. And then around right when the sun was coming up, man, I have that, this like beautiful skate all the way down Golden Gate to go drive wow. uh, to one-on-one sessions with Sean Roberts wow. because no one else got woke up in the morning, you know? Jeez. And it was a hole in the wall, gym, So I just like had this dude, he wasn't getting paid much and stuff like that, but he was just like nicest dude. and. It doesn't matter if there's one dude in here, uh, or, or 50, it's like, he was just like his passion for jujitsu. Um, and the technique and mastery of technique was just, you know, something uh, that I really admired. And he was a really cool dude. He was a hard skate back and he'd always drive me back home and wow. stuff like that. He had a bumper sticker on his car that said, I'd rather be choking you out, you know? And, uh, <laughs> I just loved everything about him, man. Just like yeah, the style i came from like partying and, and drinking a lot when i was a young kid and mm-hmm. um it's not like a lot of direction and i always remember i wanted to be the best partier and the best drinker and stuff but when i found jujitsu and i saw all these people you know it's like um i don't know if you remember first seeing like like the upper belts like hang out in the corners just yeah. like that aura you know yeah. that they have you know um yeah. and that and it comes with uh, uh, earning it hard work you mm-hmm. know and uh, there was something about that that i was just uh enamored with from mm-hmm. day one I, I just could not get enough still to this day i'm, just, I'm more obsessed than ever you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and obviously yeah, things <laughs> change a little bit you know
0: um so what's your journey then through the other belt colors look like then
1: bluebell is right when i really started competing man and i was scared i was terrified to uh-huh. compete like um i just didn't want to fail um uh-huh. and uh i i had this kind of attitude actually where i'm like i don't need to compete like this is just going to be like you know just a sport like self defense and uh you know a good way to stay in shape and uh my coach out in uh, one of my best friends i call him coach is a kind of a joke but he um is over at charles gracie san mateo and he was competing, you know, and, and we were actually, we to kind of go way back, we, uh, about 10, 10, 11 years ago, we were really partying together. I had gone back into jiu-jitsu, so when I went back to hybrid, and I started talking about it with my friends I was partying with. And this guy, Derek, had happened to do a year of jiu-jitsu like me, like he went in and gave up on it. And, you know, I got, got him back and I'm like, Hey man, we should go. We were like, and we both walked in together. He walked into hybrid and he's now black belt competitor at uh, San Mateo. We walked back in at the same time and nine fight to wins under his belt. um, Just savage human being. Works day labor, like hard. He always tells me I I got him to walk back into the uh, jujitsu gym. So. I mean, that's kind of one of my things is getting people into jujitsu or uh, Mm -hmm. particularly I love teaching beginner classes because I love trying to get that first spark. And I was a white belt when I when I got him to go back in and look at the trajectory that just like the one little shift, you know, just getting him to go in, turn that guy into a fucking black belt, you know. So at first, Wipeout, I was an evangelical. I'm just like, I couldn't shut up about it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be talking to my clients and about, I ran a dog walking business, owned a dog retail store. Mm-hmm. And I'd be in the middle of conversation to be like, jiu-jitsu? Do, 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 uh, I do jiu-jitsu, you know? Like, Alex, like, did you say martial arts? You know, and like, I couldn't, I couldn't study st- It's all on my head. Yeah. It's all I thought about. Yeah. And it was bad because I, I learned like, people don't like that, yeah. you know? Um. You know, and you have to kind of, like pump the brakes a little If you really want to get people to do what you're doing, what you fall in love with so much, you gotta like be a little more uh, yeah, passive chill. about it. And then uh, blue belt, I went to like Rumble in the Redwoods, Sunnyvale, I think, yeah. and I got beat two times. You know, I had no idea what a competition was. Mm-hmm. You know, I got, I got the first match, I went all five minutes and I had no idea what the score was. I was so gassed out and I went over and I feel like kind of fell down I was by myself. I just went, I've been going to tournaments without coaches by myself the whole time. So I lost the first match. I was so tired. And then they called my name again, you know? And I was like, fuck dude. I was like, I gotta go again. I was like, I'm, I'm gassed. I was like, I gave everything I had. So I started thinking, I'm like, Maybe my shoulder hurts, you know, like yeah. a little bit. And like, and so I'm sitting there, and then uh they're like, hey, time for you to go. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. Like, I gotta just go do it. I'll go lose. And the second wing came back and uh ended up getting tapped out with like 10 seconds left and lost both matches. Mm-hmm. And then I was even more tired. I went, I like knocked over my water. I was like spinning. And then they called my fucking name. There was only three people in my di- division, and they call my name, like, Dave. To, to the podium I'm like what are you talking about to the podium and like I went to the podium they gave me like this participation medal and then like I w- but I was spinning and like I knocked over the water I didn't even pick it up it's very not like me to make, make a mess and stuff and then I like he gave me a medal and I went out and I started puking in the, in the fucking hallway and then a, a black belt from my gym uh Andrew he saw me and he like you okay I'm like yeah I'll, I'll, this first competition dude it's like all right but like so that's kind of what I say I tell people that story. I mean ultimate failure. I mean, I guess I could have popped my arm, which I've I've done in comp I've Mm -hmm. had like seventeen year old kid pop my arm and it's Mm -hmm. sucked, you know? It's like but it's like it kinda goes into the whole point. It's like I love it, man. I, I love the fact that I went and did that because it's like I would not have had that experience if I didn't go put myself in. And mm-hmm. what do you do with that experience? You go back to the gym and you tell everybody about it mm-hmm. and you and you see what you did wrong. And nowadays you got everything on, on camera and uh, you can just go back and see where you made your errors. And then you go back the next weekend, you sign up and then you go win a match, you mm-hmm. know? And it probably, I, I don't even remember, but uh, I competed maybe like 20 times, 20 something times at that mm-hmm. blue belt. And, wow. um, I, I, don't even remember, it was probably like uh, half and half like wins and losses, but it, I think it took a while to even get a, a win.
0: So it sounds like you put competition in really high regards as well, right? You think that's really important sort of a factor in the journey of your jujitsu process you think?
1: I would say so, yeah. Um, I, I like it because it's hard and it's testing yourself. I'm not a high-level competitor by any means, you know. I, I train with high-level competitors and I'm not one of them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I know what that is like, you know, that that winner mentality, you know, and that going It's a different thing, you know.
0: But for the um, general practitioner. Yeah, yeah,
1: and uh, for the general practitioner, you know, um, it's kind of just like, it, it's just like jiu has something for everybody, you know, and like I think competitions are a great way to step out of your box go test your game and uh get some information you know and that's how i look at it so i kind of get like kind of hippie about it when i start explaining it like because for me largely just personally it's all about self-development and uh putting myself in an uncomfortable situation and growing from that situation and there's nothing more from that it's like i don't give a fuck about the medals and and the trophies and the accolades and shit like that it's really cool i like the footage you know i like i like going in and getting like cool stuff but, like, I've always uh, distinguished my, separated myself from, like, you know, those world champions, the pan of champions, yeah. um, which I respect so much, you yeah. know, um, to,
0: to, to get so perfect mm-hmm. at it, you know? But um, but that's, like, the 1% of the 1%, so that's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about footage, were you one of those people that would look back and, and study and, and oh, yeah. sort of reconcile, like, let identify all the issues, and then how do I address these type of things? Yeah. Or
1: I've seen my losses got h- hundreds... Maybe maybe one video a thousand times. Like I, I can't I get obsessed. I, I also do that in life in general. I might I might listen to this, what we're talking about over and over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm just very interested in my failures, uh, mm-hmm. particularly. I, I wanna see where I messed up. The moments where I win and like the maybe I put on Instagram and I put someone to sleep something that's cool but it's like the ones i really obsess about man is like i almost fucking had that Mm -hmm. guy i almost had him dude like this one the one i'm specifically talking about was that was at glovers and it was uh my third match of the day i had won one uh got knee barred and then this was for the bronze medal Mm -hmm. i fucking wanted it so bad dude and and the guy was just way bigger he's two it was 200 pounds and below Mm -hmm. you know and i was maybe 160 and it was just, I had him in my triangle. I, lo- mm-hmm. I locked it up and it's just, I've, I've studied it so many fucking times. And I know if I got him, he, w- he would not get out of it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And it was just this simple little thing and I saw it. Yeah. And But then there's always that thing. It's like, maybe you think it was that simple and then you get with the guy and then it's not that simple. <laughs> Uh, yeah spe- speaking of Glovers I mean like that guy I think holds one of the coolest tournaments like in jiu jitsu dude can you
0: talk about it like well, talk about this thing that Jeff does or yeah, has done I wonder done.
1: if you have to edit it or anything how much Jeff wants me
0: talking about yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> Well he but, promotes it on IG
1: Well you know? yeah yeah, yeah during the scary. pandemic I guess the pandemic's over yeah. uh, if maybe in a couple of days uh so the, yeah the first time I went to Glovers man it was like the middle of the pandemic and he did he didn't give us any instructions he was like just meet in this parking lot and, like, okay, and so I'm, like, there, and I'm always early, uh, to everything, and, uh, I'm there, and I'm, like, what do I fucking do, and I'm, like, looking around, and like, okay, that dude looks like he does, ju-ju-ju. that guy's got some cauliflower ear, and, like, I'm, like, what's up, bro, are you here for Glover's, and, like, we all just start kind of grouping around, like, talking, like, yeah, this is weird, like, I wonder what's going on, and then all of a sudden, Glover comes in, a fucking like, a white van, and, like, slides open the door, and, like, get in, <laughs> you know, we're like, all right, you know, it's like, uh, start crawling in. We're, we don't know where we're going or anything like that. We're all competing against each other. We're like, "What's up, dude?" And um, some so, fucking yeah. savages, dude. And this is two hundred and below. And I'm, I'm I walk around one fifty, dude. You know, like dude. right now, like. And I just needed some action, dude. Some excitement. Yeah. I just sold my business. Uh, I didn't broke up with my girl for eight years. Yeah. Um, I was just going through it, and, and and this was my life. And I, I had dedicated my life to jujitsu. Sold my business for jujitsu, and then the world is like. And Fauci's like, don't touch each other, and I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So you get these underground tournaments like Glover was having. So he picks us up. He drives us over to the. <laughs> they they confiscated all our cell phones. Uh, because I guess the logic at the time was um they didn't want the, <laughs> everyone gathering at one location. You know because sure. of the pandemic and the lockdown, right. you weren't allowed to do things like that. And so they confiscated a big box. And uh, <laughs> this is the part you might have to edit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll cut off most of
0: the stuff. Locations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, It was awesome, man, because it was like all these, all these, and and, uh, jujitsu guys and everything, and it was this vibe in the atmosphere like oh man like the world is like shutting down the pandemic but we're all like these fucking like rebels and i met some really cool people people i still talk to to, to uh uh today and this that is was
0: a uh, purple belt right that was purple doing, belt okay. yeah
1: yeah i have uh just got my brown belt a couple months ago and um, yeah thank you very much man and uh and uh you obviously know we haven't talked about it but the reasons i can't compete uh, yeah
0: anymore. well let's get into that now okay So you're training all over the place. And then let's talk about the incident.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, maybe what people will be real interested in because um, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's um, really good shape, um, perfect health. Uh, I don't, I don't drink much. I'll, I'll have like a beer every now and then after training, and uh, I, w- I was smoking uh, weed at the time. And but uh, apart from that, I haven't done like hard drugs and stuff like that for since my early twenties. But um, yeah, I was actually here over in Marin. I was rolling with this like blue belt here, and this, and. He was getting ready for a tournament, and he kneed me in the head, and it was like, no big deal. Like, he get kneed in and kind yeah. of shook up a little bit, yeah. shake it off and whatever. And then, um, yeah, I just got hit in the head. And I go to this really big guy, and it was, like, already, like, I'm not going to, like, what am I going to do, like, go hell hard against 270 pro? I'm, like, I'm just kind of playing, start passing guard a little bit. And ro- almost right away, I felt this, like, uh, cramping from, like, shoulder to shoulder, like, intense cramping and i had actually felt it before about like 2 or 3 weeks before at this gym as well and i had summed it up before to dehydration cuz i had never felt anything like this it, like i described it later like as like little gremlins inside my body like ripping apart my muscles like so
0: the cramping is it happened you- are you feeling it in your back shoulder in my back to shoulder, shoulder, or shoulder or front shoulder yeah. shoulder
1: back, back shoulder to shoulder okay. yeah back shoulder to shoulder and uh nauseating pain. Right. And wow. I was like, okay, First first saw in my head, push through it, get through the roll. Don't be disrespectful. And, uh, about two minutes in, I can't fucking take it anymore. And I told him, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. And he kind of looked at me like weird. And I went out in the back right over here. We're sitting on the mats. So it's like reminiscent of it. But, um, uh, I went out, I lay down, I kind of tried to puke a little bit, but, uh, I came back in and everybody was sitting around and I saw Brett in here, former training partner. And he knows me real well. And, he told me like you don't look good at all, and I was like, okay, I just need to go sit in my truck that was sitting like right in front of the uh, gym and just turn on my AC because I was feeling so, so nauseous. I'm like something's fucking wrong. And uh, last thing I remember, man, was like sitting in my truck and like it was like everything that got really intensified. And I looked in the mirror and I just saw my eyes kind of like like shoot back into my skull and like and everything got like uh, kind of vortexy, you know. And I passed unconscious. And then I came to, and my truck
0: was on, still on still, with the AC, yeah,
1: still on with the AC. And so I thought I was driving, <laughs> like, Whoa. and I, but I woke up and I was like kind of in paralysis. I couldn't move anything, and I couldn't see anything, and it was all fuzzy. And so I kind of like braced myself for impact, you know, like you know, I was like my fucking truck's on. I I can't see. I can't. It was almost like a dream. And then I came to. Obviously the truck wasn't park. And I wasn't driving, and I saw the gym come into my like focus and i was like holy shit something is wrong i just like pass out i'm like what the fuck is going on first instinct was to call brett because he was the last one i saw and i and i told him i was like dude there's something seriously wrong with me dude i don't know what's going on and he had left already so i don't know how long i was uh, i was unconscious and and i opened the door of my truck and that's uh right when the vertigo started It, it was um the most intense spinning i've ever felt in my life wow uh, I started puk- puking and throwing up. Brett shows up. We collectively decide uh, right. I need to go to the ER. I guess just to talk about it right now, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life, not calling an ambulance.
0: Uh, really? And I, yeah, and I get emotional even talking about it. Whoa, whoa. Just, so what's the significance of the ambulance then? If
1: I went into the ambulance, they would have put an EKG on my heart, and they would have known I was having a massive heart attack. Because I went in by myself, I spent about 30 minutes in a waiting room. They finally saw me. I was, like holding, wow. I was holding Brett's leg, spinning out of control, Holy about to go goodness. out of consciousness. I was, I was panicking because I had no idea what was going on. And um, wow. it, it was incredibly scary. I had a big scar on the side of my face from when that blue belt kicked me. So they thought it was a concussion. And uh, they pumped me full of Ativan, put me in a CAT scan. They didn't see anything. And uh, at that point, Brett had called my father, uh, who actually it happened to be in town. And he came over. And I was completely out of it. I don't remember much of this. You know, this is just kind of what people told me. Um, okay. I was on a lot of drugs. They pumped me full of Ativan, anti-anxiety. Because I was like, <gasps> I was like, just like couldn't breathe, wow. spinning, just like panicking. And they told my, par- my dad uh, I was having a panic attack. And um, my dad said, no. He's not having a panic attack. He just sold his business. He just bought a brand new truck and he's living his dream, traveling, teaching jujitsu as a single guy in his thirties. Yeah. He's not having a panic attack. <laughs> and I was just like, what's happening. And, um, that's the thing that's really fucked. Um, is my dad really begged them to keep me there. Wow. Uh, but they, they were adamant and they sent me home that night. <sighs> they did not put an EKG on me. And, um, for that reason, if they had put an EKG on me, uh, they would have seen the clot and would have done an angioplasty to balloon the clot to the side to allow blood and oxygen to my brain. They didn't do that, so they sent me home thinking I was a panic attack, and I uh, suffered in my uncle's bathtub uh, for 13 hours. And I was sitting in the bathtub because the cramps were so painful. Wow. Um, and I, the hot Epsom salt. I just sat there. My dad said he at
0: one point I, I, I turned blue, like actual color blue. So is it like these shoulder cramps again? Oh
1: uh, yeah, that it have was come like back. Yeah, all over my body, um, and pay, just painful in and out of consciousness uh, all night for about thirteen hours. Oh and uh, at that point, I had enough, and I was like, I need to go back to the ER. This is some, it's not getting better. So during this time, it's doing damage, damage, damage. During this time, I have a hundred percent blockage of my left ventricle, and I'm depriving my body of oxygen, uh, of, of of blood and oxygen, of my brain and to my heart. And what they say on the angioplasty um, is that you, within ninety minutes of signs of a heart attack, which is numbness, shortness of breath, passing unconscious, and muscle cramps and pains, you know, all all symptoms that I reported. You're supposed to do the angioplasty within 90 minutes. And in the medical journals, they say, if you don't do it within 90 minutes, irreversible damage to your heart and brain and gray matter in your brain uh, occur. So. I went home for 13 hours Um, and then I came back and that is the one thing I do remember is when I came back they then put an EKG on me I've had probably 30 EKGs on me since this incident and it takes 20 fucking seconds you know to put an EKG they then put an EKG on me I'll never forget the nurse's reaction she just looked like she just saw a ghost you know she wow. called the code whatever and all rushed rush means all of a sudden they're shaving my groin and prepping right. me for surgery and shit and uh, I stayed in the hospital for four days and then I uh, took an uber right here came yeah. back to practice because <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed and it's like principal thing you know I'm never gonna stop you know despite
0: anything that happened and so you have a heart attack, full on heart attack, full
1: on heart attack. And that's they, what's
0: happening. And you go home with a heart attack, continuing to suffer this heart attack. Well,
1: you know, I'm learning a lot about heart attacks. They actually uh, said that I was having the heart attack. I had the heart attack before this whole thing happened. That and makes sense. this is the result of the clot. They actually, one idea, and a lot of people just don't know. It seems like, like a lot of things in life, a lot of people just don't know. You right, know, um, right. I've been All over, I've probably seen uh, almost 20 specialists now. um, I flew on my own dime to the Cleveland Clinic. They're the best in the world. Portland at at Sunnyside, uh, advanced heart failure in Sacramento, in Marin. Um, And then um, now I'm being seen at at Stanford Cardiology. The long, long story short is uh, there was so much damage that happened that night uh, to my heart that I'm going to need a new heart
0: eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're a candidate now for a heart transplant. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And uh, how they measure that, I guess, is um, two things. Uh, one being the ejection fraction. And that's like recorded by an echocardiogram or a heart MRI. And that's imaging and an algorithm, basically, to see how efficient your heart is pumping My regular heart is pumping around 65 to 75%, which is, that's healthy, even though it's 65, 75. I'm at a a 24. And um, they say anything under 25 is uh, candidacy for a heart transplant. The really confusing part about this is I'm 35 years old and an athlete. If there's any medical people listening to this right now, my tripe. You know, you'll correct me because I've probably said it wrong. Tryphonin, triponin, whatever the level was, was uh 47.48. My buddy Sam is a surgeon was saying that, you know, an average level is 0.04. Hmm. You know, I was 47.48. It's an enzyme that your heart produces. And and he said he had never heard of a number that high. And the only reason he thinks I, I survived this long with a b- fully blockage and, and depriving my brain and heart of oxygen is because of the athletic lifestyle and jujitsu lifestyle I lived prior to the heart attack. Mm. Um, and I'm very intense with my uh, recovery and my training for jujitsu prior to this um, uh, ice immersions, Vim Hof, 100 mm. pounds in a 64 gallon um, uh, recycling bin. and sauna and runs and uh diet and and everything you know mm-hmm. the jujitsu lifestyle and i'm pretty confident living like that was uh what got saved me, what mm-hmm. saved me through it because um according to any advanced heart failure cardiologist i should i should have uh not been able to last that long with a blockage um a block in my ventricle
0: so let's talk about like where you're at now because you're back you're flow rolling you know yeah. re- now and then and um you have these devices from your body that that we can see, well, can you describe what these things are? Sure,
1: I have a subcutaneous uh, defibrillator on the left side of my rib
0: cage, and uh,
1: basically what I heard. It
0: looks that, like a box, people. That's yeah. kind of like in his under his skin, like <laughs> yeah, a little like box, a, like a like cigarette like, pack or something, yeah, like a pack of
1: cigarettes. Yeah, yeah about the same size, kind of ovally shaped. It's fucking weird, man. I heard, I see. Uh, if you type in subcutaneous defibrillator or SICD in YouTube you'll see a really hot blonde girl that has one. And she she's talking about, uh, she's like, it's like having a mini hospital inside of me. <laughs> that's what my friends and I say, like, I have a mini hospital. <laughs> and that's what it is basically, it's like those uh, AEDs um, or eat or whatever they're called, um external defibrillators at, at pools right, and stuff. Sure. It's the same thing essentially, it's just wow. inside of me. You That's know, so, so crazy and it's got yeah, it's got um it will detect an arrhythmia or a miss beat. And then and fire. Fire. And then they say it's uh I've heard it like three things. Uh, it's like getting kicked by a donkey, it's like getting kicked by a horse, or it's like getting uh hit in the uh chest with a baseball bat
0: looking forward to that huh?
1: well I, yeah it's weird because it can happen anytime i don't yeah. know when it may never happen yeah. um it may just start going off you mm-hmm. know uh if i'm burrowing like <laughs> on the ground and it starts fucking shocking me and my partner it's like i don't know, i've never had a
0: device inside of me so it's very weird uh, and then in your chest yeah there's and so, and something so, else
1: so there's the computer that's on the side and mm-hmm. then it has leads oh. um, actual metal leads that will conduct uh the electricity so essentially it's like a triangle uh, around my heart mm-hmm. um cocooning like a like a trifecta and it will it's like placing like a pad like acd right around there and, mm. and shooting electricity in there to jump start my heart again wow. um so every time uh if and when it goes off i can consider that like i would have died but because of this thing inside me I, I get another shot so it, yeah it's a mind fuck with rolling um i do have like a pad um it's the same type it's like a rubber pad for uh a- athletes that have um uh defibrillators in them and it's just this pad that kind of wow. uh it's a rubber pad that goes into a rash guard and you and me were talking actually before you're like man dude like fucking rash guards is always stinking like you know <laughs> yeah. you can't get the stink out of yeah. it dude. And i've heard bleach and stuff but it, it sucks for me because i have these customized rash guards now for my icd pad to block my icd and mm. I'm, I'm just going i'll be buying these things for the rest of my life i know yeah. you know and or, or trying to um i was wondering i was looking at it, i was like I, it's got to be better i got to find something better you know because this actually maybe it's called a uh, vital vital beats i think his name is but um it doesn't really cover the front of my chest and so a lot of my mm. jujitsu is changing i can't do that like chest to chest pressure like when i get on your back you know in a flow world obviously i'm not going hard right now um mm-hmm. I'm way more inclined to do like a triangle from the back, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of locked down anything like
0: to take away from like my chest Chest pressure, torso pressure. yeah.
1: Like when I'm passing, I'm I'm doing like knee cuts and I'm Mm -hmm. going for you, trying to pin down your wrists down to the ground and like Mm. walk around and Mm -hmm. like kind of, and doing like way more like distance jujitsu a little bit. What the jujitsu I do right now is, is, is all moderated. I always preface if I'm new with you and your upper belt, I probably stick away from white right belts and uh, blue belts right mm-hmm. now, uh, especially strangers when I'm traveling. Yeah, I want to keep it technical and uh, and I, my elevator pitch is don't break the machine.
0: Yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's
1: what we got to do. Um, and usually when I say that to people, it kind of like breaks down that barrier of like. Especially if you're traveling gyms, you're upper belt and stuff. You got kind of a target on your back. People want to show you what's up and, mm-hmm. you know, show you their language and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I just have to get really good at, at pitching myself and say, Hey, you have the wind, you know, like you can do whatever you want to be. And, and it kind of like diffuses everything a little bit and it gets people in the mindset like, oh, I got to protect this guy, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we can start having those conversations and I can get pretty active with it, you know, because as long as it's methodical and everyone is being very thoughtful with each movement, it is really the essence of what flow rolling is. Yes some people don't even like know what they've heard flow run but they they'll never understand it no, you know no. they never understand it you know because they, they, they have it ingrained and i'm like kill 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 go yeah. hard 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 this is why we're here and um you know everybody knows it's like we're not going to get technical and, and really good at this until we step back and slow down and lose our egos mm-hmm. and let the other person have a lot of opportunities and and learn from, Mm -hmm. you know, each other during the role, you know. Did uh,
0: you flow roll much before this?
1: this? I did, actually and that came from um doing uh opening up 6 a.m classes for so long because uh there's like a lot of old guys in there mm. and stuff uh going out and they have families and they're beat up at night and they come to the morning classes uh, because we're really heavy on drilling drilling um i love i love just drilling and, and i love hard rounds man don't get me wrong but i i just really loved um especially right when i got my purple belt i was like really heavy focus on just like just drilling and flowing and 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 e- losing the ego in the mm-hmm. gym because i wanted i wanted to go uh test my jiu-jitsu in the competitions and that's where i needed to be good you mm-hmm. know um but i had like this no problem letting people and um i guess it was also i was in charge um and i was a lower belt and i i wanted i really wanted people to learn so i'm not you're not going to let people learn if you're just Like trying to win the whole time, you know, and um, something one of that morning coach taught me is um, just like that humility, man, just like letting people uh, not letting them tap you out by any means, you know, but it's more if you run into a problem like a frame or you try something and it gets countered and it doesn't work. It's more of like accepting that in the moment and then going with it, which often leads to you getting swept or you getting passed or something Mm -hmm. something that's not good for you. But it's accepting the mistake like mid-roll opposed to if we're rolling really hard, I run into that blockade and I'm like, I'm not. Accepting this shit, you know, mm-hmm. like I got a bad position, I'm not tapping, I'm not getting flipped, I'm not doing, it. and I'm that's where this, the yeah. aggression comes from. Even talking about, it, I'm like, thinking, mm-hmm. you get like, like tough, and like, and I love that, but it's like that's not flowing, and that's not learning, uh, mm-hmm. because you're you're using your strength, and you're you're cheating. You're not using true true jujitsu, and, and uh flowing. What a lot of people keep telling me is that they love it, and I I hope they're not just trying to make me feel better, um, and they really
0: love it, and, and I think they do. Mm-hmm. I'll be, I'll be that guy. I love it. I learn a lot from it. It's funny you mentioned drilling, too, because, yeah, I just talked to Nick, Nick the Tooth, and um, that's what he said, too. That the greatest amount of learning is not really in rolling. It's yeah. in drilling and flow rolling yeah. as well.
1: I think we have uh, an American, like, rocky uh, mentality here, like, push, 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 at least for me.
0: Mm.
1: Before my heart attack... That's all, I mean, my my heroes are like David Goggins and Jocko Mm -hmm. and Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. and and people that like to push themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I was really into hot yoga and vinyasana Mm -hmm. before this, and I always wanted to see like that limit, you Mm -hmm. know? And I, uh, that quote from uh, Goggins, like most people quit at 20%, Mm -hmm. I I knew it, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. it, it was actually, kind of like proved positive in my business um i, I had a, a little local dog retail store downtown mill valley and we ran a, a um, commercial custom dog hiking business out of it and i knew uh i could sell anybody on my dog walks because i tracked every single hike i photographed every single hike i used apps to go check the dogs in and out it was just kind of like my principles this pure accountability and verification you know I just, it gave me a confidence to sell, you know, like I know I'm better than everyone else in here. I just wanted to outwork everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. that has always been my mentality. It's outwork every I'm not even the smartest person, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like
0: yeah. no, I, no, I, you no, know,
1: no. I, I got adopted actually into a really smart family, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so genetically, I've always been very well aware yeah. I'm not the most intellectually uh, like gifted person, you know. Right, right. I'm like a mathematician or well, there's that old saying,
0: right? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right? Yeah, yeah, I
1: like it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it, and, and and that's what I got by on, man. And now yeah. um, it's tough for me a lot of the problems in my life right now is like coming from people telling me to slow down mm. and the nicest way he always put it is like what Trifon was saying is you know that the universe expands and contracts and um you know i was uh expanding exploding for so long and mm. doing these double triple days and mm. uh driving to ventura solo to um do uh underground jujitsu tournaments and like and just trying to like live do as much as possible and like and just be in my body Mm -hmm. and he's like now it might not be the time you want but it's like what you have to do is um contract you know and you need to look like inward Mm -hmm. and i feel like it happens to everybody you know um at some point that's what life is you know
0: well you Um, were one of those guys i identified quickly in the academy where i'm like i could learn a lot from this guy okay and then i noticed that you were always giving really great advice when people asked you so touching back on your teaching Whatever it is that that attracts you to teaching do you enjoy it seems like you enjoy teaching it seems to, uh, like you have a lot to offer there
1: I love teaching so much man it's uh it's everything for me it's save it's saving my life right now mm-hmm. um not being able to compete not being able to go hard in roles you know uh, i'm i'm actually helping out um a, a friend of mine at willow's uh Jitsu academy up in willows california it's off the i5 in the middle of nowhere a mm-hmm. bunch of like uh this kind of like roughneck kind of misfit crew and yeah. like this like all walks alive in this you'll run into like i mean there's like one like just nasty big bluebell, i think probably 240 or something, just like mm-hmm. ex-military, just like monster. You'll have like some, some guy like that. And then you have a guy who's just lost like 150 pounds, you know, just getting his life together, some, some uh, recovering addict. And we all have a common goal and uh, whatever your experience level is and uh, whatever your goals are uh, to lose weight, be a champion competitor, we're all coming in here and wanting to like do something together. And and man, I've, I've always thought that was so powerful and i love i love talking and the way i teach is less of um you know i know what i'm talking about and Mm -hmm. you guys like all this like uh uh try to listen in on that Mm -hmm. uh i really love just talking like out loud and then like opening it up and saying hey this is what i think i know i'm Mm -hmm. pretty fucking sure i know i know man i haven't i haven't studied something like the suicide choke so in in depth we definitely in, depthly I, in yeah. depthly I i was born and my tongue was connected to my gums and they had to clip it so i had a speech impediment for the dave first has all part these, of of these stories of course you were born that way
0: <laughs> so let's get back to the the hard conversation right uh-huh. in terms of like your your time the reality of like yeah where in terms of like what kind of what did they tell you how much time do you have with this heart yeah. versus The percentages is if you get a transplant, what are the statistics in terms of time there? And then how are you reconciling all that?
1: It's crazy, dude. Yeah. yeah, it's uh I mean I've seen like sixteen different advanced heart failure cardiologists who all have different opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, they're dealing with uh people in their sixties and uh people who are alcoholics and smoke and mm. man, you, you see people online. I mean, I just run into people up in the gulch last weekend, these mountain people said they had like seven fucking stents and he's just sitting there drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I'm like, you know what I've given up, like after this has happened, I'm like, I haven't smoked pot since, since. I love smoking pot, dude, but like I care about my body. So 100%. I'm doing everything that it takes to get, to, to get back to optimize. That's my life. And I, I want to optimize. And, um, so the, the gas tank is, is tough. You know, that's the most crippling thing is not mm. having my cardio. And that gives me uh severe depression, to mm. be honest. Uh, yeah, untru- what,
0: what does that feel like? Can you describe it? Like, yeah,
1: uh, even today. You know, with Paula, I roll with Paulo after we, we kind of, we were kind of more talking about technique and stuff. And that's cool. But like when Paul and I start kind of like getting into the movements and the flows it's around it's like three or four minutes in, man, it's like breathing through a straw, wow. um, like a, a asthma, asthma attack kind of. And I just got to stop and listen to my body and then take big, deep breaths. Um, that's usually when the kind of depression kicks in because it's like, man, I used to go fucking 10, ten straight rounds, uh, six minute rounds, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. don't stop.
0: Mm-hmm. um and so it still hits you there's no like you're not at the point where you've accepted this yet it's still
1: oh it still g- bugs
0: you oh bad, it still right? bugs me
1: a... all the time yeah i was in north carolina i think i was telling you and this guy was getting ready for the pants and uh i was like hey bro you want like flow roll and he's like i don't flow roll you know mm-hmm. and i was like fuck me right yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, you know like damn it sucked because i was like in my mind, in what's left of my heart, man, I can fucking go, dude. Yeah. Like I, I love going hard. I yeah. love it so much. It's the most purest thing in the world that I have found. Apart, I've never fought, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I, I fought with no technique. I've never done an MMA, MMA mm-hmm. fight, but like, it, I, and I don't, and I want to fight. I want to, I want to do this. This thing, jujitsu, man, I've never found anything like it's so pure. It's so honest. Yeah. And I feel, um, by prefacing the role saying I'm injured and mm-hmm. I have something in me and my heart's bad, it's already diminishing the authenticity. Um, so that's where the depression comes from. Um, you know, the only, um, uh, solution to that problem is appreciation and being grateful for what I have now, because everything's temporary. Of course I lost my athleticism. It's just, I lost it way before then I thought I was going to lose it. For the condition of my heart, I do need a heart transplant at some point. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're basically waiting for me to get sick enough. And um, it's a really difficult situation to be in because, yeah, you Google uh, stage three heart failure is what I have right now. And uh, the first thing comes in is life expectancy is five years, Mm -hmm. you know? And Dave, how old are you? I'm 35, Okay. you know? And I've already talked to all my cardiologists, and uh they're already they're impressed with like my abilities my uh, I took a VO2 max test and I came in the 70th percentile um on the VO2 max and that's in the general public so it's it's pretty pathetic for our general population mm-hmm. that like I get, that I can come in the 70th percentile with mm-hmm. this much of a heart you know or it's in a testament of like like my athleticism and but the fact is I'm in the 70% and there's people with ejection fractions like in the hospital right now that are just laying in bed, they can't cook themselves breakfast with the same quality of damage my heart's Uh, in. And you know, it kind of brings up this uh, study, I heard on Rogan's about um, uh, placebo uh, knee surgeries, hmm. Uh, if you ever saw this, but what they did, they something like 20, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but uh, they took like 20 people, they cut open 10 of their legs, uh, they cut open all their legs, uh, but 10 of them, they actually did Meniscus repair or scope or whatever, and then ten they didn't do shit. They just mm-hmm. they just open it up, and they had like the same amount of like recovery time, you know. And um and I think so much of this is like in our minds, you know. And I, I think the same people who do this, they did the same shit with like slip disc, and all the symptoms were so varied across the board, but everything was the same. So wow. what I'm saying, it kind of parallels into what jujitsu is for me. And the reason after the heart attack, I took an Uber to class or after I got my surgery and got this fucking defibrillator installed in me, I went to fucking class after I was all fucked up on, on, on fentanyl. And I was just driving by on the 80 and I saw the sign and I was like, antelope. (laughs) Like My buddy was like, you want to go to class right now? I'm like, it's like that time. And they were just like chilling. And it was just like, it was more um like this principle you know like you're not going to get me off of this mat you know it's like uh i i remember i made like a commitment to myself that i'm i'm going to get my black belt you know Mm -hmm. um and i i want to do it so bad because it's so hard (laughs) you know it's so so hard you know and there's so many reasons to make you quit man with like you know it's like the nastiest rolling with people and skin stuff and 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 just like broken bones and toes and 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 if it's not that it's it's the sheer um like you the humiliation and like you suck as a person and an athlete (laughs) like and just getting through that and accepting be like i guess i suck and like just, just go on and make myself not suck anymore and like And like, I just, um, I'm, I'm so in love with everything in the process and, and getting the belts, you know, getting promoted and being like that pressure, you know, and like being like, okay, now it's time. Like you're, you're a new belt. Um, everybody you've been training around. It's like, I don't think good people, you don't go home and like have a Brown belt where you just get Brown belt and then not come into class like the next week, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like you're gonna be doing maybe I need to do an extra ten pushups. maybe I gotta do an extra fifteen sit-ups today. It's like I'm a brown belt. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe I just need to go support somebody a little bit more yeah. than gym or, mm-hmm. or do get a little more involved in G or represent this belt. And I love that in society that we have this accountability, you know, we're holding our, our community accountable. I think it's like, we're living in such a, a horrible society where people are so against each other and yeah. so com- uh, so competitive, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, to come into a, a, a place where everyone has the same goal right. and, um, and- Growing and, and nurturing and, each other, yeah. Yeah, right, really Hop. And then you get, and that's why I love beginners too, man, like in doing the beginner classes, you- you know, like watch someone get their first stripe, and you're like, "Oh man!" It, it's like it's to this day, dude. It's just like I just love it. You know, I love it. I w- love watching the kids. You know, like w- looking at the adults, like uh, seeing us do these things, and like lining up and and bowing and paying respect to each other and giving each other admiration and pieces of the tape and shit. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's cool. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just really cool thing to do with your life when we and just having almost lost it. Um, like like we want to do. Like the little time we have doing cool shit, and I did I wasted it so so much earlier in my life drinking and mm-hmm. partying, man. You know, like it just if any like young kids would ever listen to this or like just need to be talked to, it's like they need they need direction. I wish I had this mm-hmm. when I was younger. Oh, you know, amen.
0: Yeah. So another thing I want to ask you about too was uh, academy culture mm-hmm. and uh, the pros and cons and and the you know the light and dark that you've seen in terms of a. Uh, so, for instance, if you ran an academy or something, you know, what would you and what would, would you not do? That's hmm. interesting. Like
1: that. <laughs> well, not do. I, I would not hook up with any girls in my gym. That is the number one. Maybe I'll put that on my wall. You wouldn't
0: fish off the pier. As yeah. They say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, in business.
1: That's, uh. Well, I mean, we talked about before. That's like one of the biggest things. My dad always taught me that, man. Um, you don't hook up with women that you work with and that I went to school with. Or jujitsu. If I have respect for what I'm doing, I'm not going to go and uh, spend that time hooking up with girls. I'm going to spend the time doing the craft at hand. Now, that's a very regimented, like, like thing to say. Even like, listen to it, and, like. And I I know people like my my coach, Chad, is married to uh, Sarah McMahon, like, you know, legend USC fighter Uh and stuff. And they're very in love and they are very good people and they run their academy and it's fucking awesome. And Uh that's great. And definitely don't like not like go after your like love of your life, you know, because of these rules and stuff. But. I hate it, man. It's like if you if you are going to date somebody in the gym, you better make sure it's serious, or else in my mind you don't respect jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that's it kind of going in. And you can see, you know, how into it I get. I, I just see it over and over again. It's like, what do you what are you here for? Are you here to hook up with people, and that goes for the girls too. You know, if you're there and you, and you just think this is like a like socializing place and. It's like, I, I take it a little more seriously than that. Um, this, this is a place where I'm working out my demons, uh, my vulnerabilities, you know, um, that's, um, if I put myself in the girls situation, you know, I'm coming in here very vulnerable and for any like high level coach or black belt or something kind of like capitalize off that I always thought it was gross. So that's the first thing, uh, actually the, uh, jujitsu, which is a little more important. I always thought it'd be cool, uh, to call it like style points, jujitsu. Uh, because that's the kind of game I have. I like going for really cool stuff, you know, rodeo chokes and suicide chokes and people are like, Oh shit, that's mm. fucking crazy. And flying triangles. And like, and my coach hates it. He just told me, he's like, it's garbage, it's garbage <laughs> jujitsu, David. Like it's not high level. And I'm like, I know, I know it's not. But it's, Almost. but it but it's fun, but it's fun. It's fun. And, and that's what you, and it's like the kind of the essence, like obviously uh, if I did have an academy, I would really want to have um, just a high level, well accomplished competitive black belt um, a, as one of the instructors. I think that's invaluable. I think that you need to have someone that has competition and that's been through it. And, and if, if not have done a significant amount of competition, at least like has been around that, that culture, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I like, um, man, I love teaching like the, in, uh, the new, the newest people, you know, like mm-hmm. people don't know anything about it. Like the meat and potatoes. Um, so you're
0: more of a group class kind of guy or a privates kind of guy? Or oh, no, group a class, preference? group mm-hmm. class.
1: Yeah. Group class. Uh, the more people, the better. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. so the way I teach, um, is the exact same way I got through school. And I was always horrible at test taking, hmm. right? Uh, but I agreed, I had, a, um, I had an agreement with my dad um, that he would pay for my college if I could graduate cum laude and when i got to usf i think i like cried the first b minus i got you know because i was like this is gonna be fucking hard and you know and so i was like okay i'm not the best test taker i know that i'm not the smartest person but i will work harder than everybody here and so i would raise my hand so much they would tell me not to raise my hand anymore every class i would ask the whole class verbally out loud like uh who wants to meet to study more about this after class every extra credit if there wasn't extra credit i go to the uh, office hours and say there needs to be extra credit mm-hmm. i had uh, 3 uh, b pluses officially mm-hmm. contested to, uh, officially contested to, uh, to a minuses you know um, and, and that that's kind of like my my um approach is, is just really hard work and um the most important part about it was getting people together in the group and talking mm. and so i didn't know the most about the information very similar to jujitsu i also have a really bad memory sometimes or a selective memory Same. you know um so a lot of the times how I learn is just by talking out loud, and I have no problem being humiliated or being incorrect. The dumb guy yeah. in quotes or whatever. No, yeah, and the no dumb questions. No problem. Mm-hmm. No problem at all, dude. Like so I know, like I said, going back to the suicide joke, I've studied this fucking joke more than I studied my major in college. You know, mm-hmm. I've been I've been looking at this specific joke probably for like six years. Mm-hmm. Everything about it, the telegraphing, different things, just subtleties, you know, like over and over again, like all the times that people go go to sleep versus not going to sleep. Why do they go to sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sadistic enough to write down every person's name in my phone <laughs> that, that, that I put to oh, sleep. There, there are now eight of them after I put the guy to sleep. With uh, heart failure, dude, it was actually really fun. I, got, I just put someone to sleep the other night uh, during the demonstration. He, he didn't tap, it was a good conversation to talk about tapping after um, on the Bravo Choke. Important, joke. But, important um, lesson, yes. It was fun to still do it. But, um, but that is kind of like a long way of saying how I like to teach very inclusive to everybody dude like i will be here like i don't care if you're wearing a white belt you might know a little little piece of information or a little angle Mm -hmm. or or you might have a question you know so i like open it up and i just like to talk you Mm know um i'm kind of like a stoner you know so i kind of like to get a little high and just like man let's just dive into this Mm jujitsu and um and then you just start talking about it and you get really into it and i feel i have always had a good intuition for whether or not i'm connecting with someone Mm -hmm. and if they start kind of looking away um not really paying attention it's kind of why i don't really like teaching kids you Mm -hmm. know like i Mm -hmm. love i love connecting with adults Mm -hmm. i love connecting that piece of information and showing you a mounted triangle and then you hit that fucking mountain triangle and then seeing that expression on your face i'm so addicted to it dude Mm -hmm. i I can't Mm -hmm. get enough of it you know Mm uh It's uh, teaching, it's like has everything with that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the best teachers, are the ones that can take a step back and be like and say like yeah i don't know about this this is not my body type this is not my move this is not my uh, uh genre let's get an expert who does study because great point you you, you know anybody who does jujitsu it's like this shit is infinite it mm-hmm. is so much it's so much i actually make this analogy with a guitar uh playing a lot i uh, recommend that um you know guitar is like acoustic guitar is like gi and uh, electric guitar is no hmm. you know? And uh, I recommend people start playing acoustic guitar so you build up the calluses on your fingers and the dexterity. And then when you transition to... Uh, electric guitar—it's very um, easy. It's much easier, and I always thought it was kind of the same analogy. You know, mm-hmm. you start off gi then you kind of go over, and um, you know—I don't know. People probably have different arguments for that. But, uh, <laughs> I like know, the analogy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but um I always like with with guitar. I was in rehab when I was 17 years old, I think. You know, and uh, this counselor told me I was playing this guitar, and I just, it wasn't that good, but I could play a couple songs. And he was like, "Just play the same song." Don't give up and i don't know why like something just stick with you you know i was just (laughs) a kid but like i always had that mentality man like i don't care if i suck like i'm just gonna play the song and master the song and then you start mastering the song and and why guitar is so similar to jujitsu is once you start mastering that song like you recognize like oh this other song has that same type of pattern or the same hammer on or my fingers are matched up in the same thing. And it's just like jujitsu. It's like, if you don't give up on it and I just like, just guard, 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 I'm just saying like, at least you're in there and you're mm-hmm. going to learn some things, you know, eventually yeah. uh, you just can't quit, you know? Um, and that, that's the thing with me. Like I'm really good at not quitting.
0: Do you think uh, you should have your instructor's game?
1: I guess first off, I don't really have one, coach uh although Mm. i am getting his gym logo tattooed on my neck today (laughs) Uh, so if i had any gym it would be precision jiu-jitsu but i have a lot of gyms man like Lone wolf and uh ATT and, and uh um um even like I feel like Paragon and Otto accepts me now because I'm so such so homies with some of their boys and shit oh, you awesome. know and like and half Gracie and then um mm-hmm. you know did all the and up the, the whole wall places in Maui and stuff yeah. like that here in north bay yeah and north Bay, yeah, bay gj I can't really of course north <laughs> Bay I almost died in the parking lot you know it's uh and Trifon and and this is actually where I came up a lot of my uh guys from um uh gym down the street came over here yeah, I got a lot, a lot, a lot of different coaches, a lot of different games. I think jujitsu is uh, for me a language mm-hmm. and um, it's however you speak it. I don't think there's a correct way or an incorrect way to speak a language it's kind of like a new thought off of my head i'm just having like you know like super waspy white people you know like like this is the culture and like or like uh silverware and spoons like this mm-hmm. is the way there's always that pon- pompous, yeah. there's always that, that pontificating kind of type of, you know stuff people always think their way is right you mm-hmm. know everybody thinks their way is right like oh this is the right way to do this thing it's like right. man i don't think any way is right well, I, that's I don't know. how we
0: got stuck not playing the leg game for Years and years because of that mentality.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then, and then he cracked the system, and people are like, oh, yeah, there's half another part of the body. It's yeah. like, you know, but it's like, and I've always been, I saw that as regressive in society. I think when you think you know a secret and you don't share it, i think you're holding yourself back mm. i think i think life is too short for that shit, dude don't don't like you know, oh i got this tech i'm oh, my gym is the only one that teaches this tech man mm. like fuck you dude it's yeah, like yeah. it's a short life dude how about go and share that idea test it as much as possible you know and and that's just with anything that's just with the way you think the way you treat people, your morals, everything—go test it constantly across the board, and then and then make up your mind about
0: it. The reason I asked the the question originally was I often see white belts saying, "Oh no, but X instructor says to do A, B, C, or does A, B, and C." Yeah, and then it's kind of a parroting that, and it seems like as as they evolve, they learn. Hey, my body type may not yeah out, maybe it needs to be acb for me you exactly know?
1: well i always point that out it's funny you bring that up i'm saying like what works for me it, it's probably not going to work for you you know my, look at my little tiny wrist dude and i'm super strong you know like i fit these wrists like perfect i'm going to get tattoos actually on my wrist as bullseyes so i can show people where to put them on the artery you know <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, yeah. God, it, it, and um and i just got really great little tiny wrists you know they're like strong little wrists i choke people really good like you know so my chokes Might not work for a guy with big fat wrists, you know, it's like, um, or short little stubby legs. Maybe you don't want to try my flying triangle game, dude you know, it's like, because it's really crazy. It's spontaneous. And, and I don't even try it in the gym because I don't like doing it to my friend. (laughs) I just get like hell on adrenaline. I jump at the guy, you know, and it's like, you know, so yeah, my, my game. Um, but I think that's again, going back to the beauty of what jujitsu is, there's no rules, there's no limits, you know, it's, it's expression of our body and that's why it's an art, you know? Um, and that's why it's, it's infinite. I mean, for sure. Listen to your coach, you know? Um, but it's kind of like, um, a beautiful mind John nash won, yeah. won a nobel nobel award uh for economics and yeah i think he quoted saying that going to the classroom every day is going to ruin the ability for original original thought mm. listen to your coaches for sure because they've been in it a long time but listen to everybody that's what i think you know L- listen to everybody and uh know that yeah your body's different than someone someone in their 40s is going to be way different game than someone in their 20s you know I think, yeah, it's, it's important to be like, just always like open-minded, you know, with it. And, and yeah, really point out what you said. Yeah. Knowing my, what works for me might not work for you because of our body, our age, skill level, all that kind of stuff.
0: And Dave, if the people want to get more information about you, where can they learn more about you and, and watch your journey? to this whole crazy life of ours
1: right on. Yeah. Check out my Instagram. Yeah. It's kind of a new thing. I'm posting a lot about my heart and, um, you know, like how I have to get around training with, um, a real difficult injury. So, um, if you want to check me out, my, um, my Instagram is jitsu traveler underscore 86. Check out my Jeff Glover match. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Really cool cool. Proud of it.
0: Thank you so much for your time and everyone out there, Thanks for listening again another week. I'm Adolfo Frondi, your host, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you again, Dave.
1: Thank you so much for having me, dude. You're a really great interview. I listened to a couple of your podcasts on the traffic on the, on the way down here, and uh, I always uh, enjoy the conversations and definitely going to continue listening.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Dave.